The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from Scottsdale, Arizona. And I'm absolutely delighted to have you with us today. And if you're downloading later, welcome to the show. We have a really great show for you today. And I encourage you to go to the Self-Improvement blog and take a look so you can see the picture of our guest. Read his bio. There's some links there that you may really want um, even before the show is over. And there's a review of the program that we're going to be talking about today. So, you know, and, and you'll find all kinds of other stuff on the blog too that might be helpful to you. But take it, take a look there. It's the selfimprovementshowblog.com all run together. The selfimprovement, I'm sorry, the selfimprovementblog.com. Sometimes my tongue gets ahead of my head. Now, we're all familiar with the problems of alcohol and substance abuse. And probably all of us, or at least most of us, know somebody who's struggling with an abuse problem. You know, we know people who go to an AA meeting almost every day and struggle with alcohol on what seems like a minute-by-minute basis. The escapades and resultant visits to rehab by some of the rich and famous are on the news all the time, and we hear about the same ones over and over and wonder what kind of program they go to that has them keep going back so frequently. We're familiar with approaches to treatment that simply do not work. Today we're going to talk about a program that does work. The St. Jude program and the St. Jude home program have revolutionized the entire treatment industry and are the driving force behind the rejection of the 12-step movement in the substance abuse treatment industry. And yes, it is indeed an industry. Substance abuse treatment is very big business. Our guest today is Mark Sheeran, the chairman and co-founder of Baldwin Research Institute Incorporated, which is the alcohol and drug research company that is the creator of the non-disease, non-12-step model of alcohol and drug education. Basically, the 12-step program is about all we've known for quite a number of years now. For over two decades, Mr. Sheeran has researched hundreds of different methods, facilities, and cultures worldwide in an effort to discover the many keys 
to improving the quality of life. Out of this research, the St. Jude program was born. In addition, the St. Jude Home Program was created to address the needs of the thousands of people who need help with substance abuse issues, but who for one reason or another could not attend a residential program. It is such an absolute delight to welcome to the Self-Improvement Show, Mark Sheeran. Mark, welcome. We're so delighted to have you with us today. Well, I'm happy to be here, Irene. You have quite a remarkable program. You graciously sent me the the workbooks and the tape, uh, your entire program, and I really plowed my way through it. I mean, I really took it seriously. Um, but but before we get into that, tell us about yourself and how you came to be interested in programs for a- alcohol and subst- su- substance abuse sufferers, and it is a suffering. Well, it is a suffering. I uh, I come from a unique uh, background. I, uh, I'm the youngest of 12 kids, and my mother was a, uh, an immigrant, but also a drug and alcohol counselor, certified counselor. And uh, most of my family, most of my siblings, uh, either had a problem with alcohol and drugs and or drugs, or went to a rehab, you know, were involved in treatment. Um, I can remember being uh, quite young and um, visiting siblings at rehabs. This was in the early to mid-1980s. I'm, uh, I'm 43 years old now, so this was during my teen years, my early teen years. So uh, when I was young, um, I was, you know, a, a part of the treatment industry simply by association. And then as I got older, I started drinking when I was 12. And what's interesting is I fell victim to the very thing that literally fills rehab beds all across America, and that was um, I was taught from my first memories that I had German heritage. I came from a long line of uh, drinkers, and if I ever drank, I would be an alcoholic. Whatever. Oh, well, we're Irish, so it runs in my family, too. <laughs> right. Now, now what's, what's interesting about that is um, that sets up a way of thinking that is um, self-fulfilling. So once I started drinking, I immediately had guilt about it. And if you have guilt about it, you drink more. And I liked it, which made me feel even worse because I really enjoyed drinking. <laughs> and then I, uh, I started taking drugs. And, and I had a lot of fun for about four years. But it always was in the back of my mind that, well, um, I guess I'm an alcoholic now. You know, so it accelerated this process that probably if I had never been introduced to that concept of powerlessness, of, of this erroneous, uh, false idea that it runs in your genes, which is, is simply not true, um, I, I probably would have drank like other kids and gotten over the, the, the issue and had a good time and then stopped, you know, probably in my college years as most people do. Um, but not me because I was steeped in this treatment model from day one. So I, I followed down the path of the progression, the so-called progression, and um, I fulfilled that prophecy and became a daily drinker and then got into a very serious uh, drunk driving accident, um, could have killed a couple of people. It was, it was a bad situation, and then I was mandated to treatment. So I did, I did the whole gamut. And they took my freedom away, uh, took my license, took my ability to make a living at the ripe old age of 18. And wow. so, there, so there I was at 18 in treatment, 
And now this is what's interesting. Deep down inside, I never really bought into the idea that I was somehow powerless. I just couldn't wrap my head around that. I was too young to give up on life. Yeah, and at 18, so, you're, you're invincible. Exactly, exactly. But so, so I had this push and pull within myself, uh, that, that was really difficult to reconcile. And that is all the professionals now are telling me, the counselors, the therapists, the people that, you know, that are involved in my life, um, they're telling me, well, Mark, you, you have this incurable situation. And so I asked, and this is really the pivotal moment. This is the beginning of St. Jude's right here. It was June 1989. And I was at a, I was in one of my treatment sessions, and they said, "You have this incurable disease." And I said, um, "Well, oh. how how is my disease, uh, or my drinking, or my lack thereof? How is that like leukemia? Explain this to me." Now, I wasn't trying to be a pain; I just didn't get it. Oh, and that's they, quite a that's quite a big statement that you have an incurable disease. Right. Well, it is. It's devastating. When you're 18 years old, it's absolutely devastating because there's no way out of that. And so that means that I'm either in treatment for the rest of my life, have to go to AA for the rest of my life, and that I'm somehow different than every other 18-year-old that's out there uh, that doesn't have this uh, supposed disease. But when I – this is, this is the crucial moment, though. When I asked that question, they couldn't answer it. And the way they answered is, Mr. Sharon, you're being noncompliant. I said, well, wait a minute. I'm, I'm not being noncompliant. I'm asking a question. And so they added another 30 days to my sentence. You've and, got to be kidding me. Oh, no. This is, this, oh, my gosh. This, this is pretty common. I've come to understand as the years have gone by. So I learned very quickly that uh, you, you didn't go, you didn't, you know, go against what, what the professionals were touting. And eventually they started to convert my thinking. And it was slowly working on me to, to the point where I became hopeless and quite suicidal. And now, mind you, I've been sober for a year. All I wanted, all I wanted was to move on with my life. And I couldn't because they had me. And so they kept working on me and working on me. And eventually, I just couldn't buy into the AA model. I was going to AA every day. I was, you know, doing these things. And in the back of my mind, there was a part of me that still was self-efficacious. You know, I still had the ability to think for myself, and I held on to that little nugget of truth that I, I could get my way out of this somehow. And I bumped into a researcher at an AA meeting who I didn't know it at the time was doing research on why people like me didn't make it in AA. Why, why was the success rate so low? So he was doing an in-house study on Alcoholics Anonymous in the Capital District area of New York. I happened to be the first subject that came up to him at the time that he started this research. His name is Jerry Brown, the other co-founder of St. Jude's. And he talked in a different language. In other words, he, he said things like, um, all you people in AA are crazy. <laughs> Put bluntly, he said, you know, <laughs> okay. you, 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 you know, nobody's powerless over anything unless you choose that for yourself. And he was so blunt about it that I said to myself, that is what I think. But I'd never had the courage to say it out loud because it's hard to go against, you know, 30 people in a room. You didn't dare, did you? What's I that? mean, if you're in trouble because you ask a question, how could you, how much trouble would you be in if you said, I think you're wrong? Right, 
Exactly. And I didn't have the research to back it up like he did. You know, he had been around the world doing research and, and he had that sort of confidence because uh, he knew what he was talking about. I didn't. So lo- the long and short of it is um, I became his research assistant. I moved into his house. We started what was called the Baldwin House, which was uh, Baldwin Road was the road in which he lived on. That's where the name Baldwin Research came from. And 38 other people over that summer moved into his house, and basically we learned how to rebuild our lives without the AA model. And um, we found people in AA, but, but none of what Jerry was saying fit in the AA model because it wasn't powerless-based. And... Um, and that really was the beginning of the research. That At the end of that year, we looked at who made it, who didn't, and we had a success rate of over 72%. And that was unheard of. Yeah, that, that simply was unheard of in the treatment industry. Well, and it still is, isn't it? Except, you know, in, in your treatment center, I can't right. find anybody who has numbers like you do. Well, that's correct, and uh, I think that it's interesting because um, you will use the lexicon of, of, of what's out there. We're not a treatment center. We are a non-treatment model. In other words, I don't Well, if you don't anybody. have a disease, do you need treatment? Exactly. Yeah, I, exactly. I see you as a, as a decision-making center more than you know, anything. That's exactly right. We are a cognitive behavioral education model. And we coined that phrase years ago um, because there was there was no other model that does what we do. You know, I don't I don't tell people how to live. What I do is I provide a method where they can figure out what they need to do for themselves, and 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 that works. You know, it's the difference between you know feeding somebody a fish and teaching them to fish. Um, that classic sort of analogy. But it's, it's really profound because if you allow people the opportunity to rebuild their lives the way they want to and you give them a method that is clearly defined, filled with options, um, they take off naturally. And, and that's part of our paradigm is uh, it's not about what Mark Sheeran or Jerry Brown or any of the other researchers on staff are saying. It's not about our personalities. It's not about, you know, our individual opinions. It's about what works universally for human beings. And that was really what the last 25 years has been about. That's and I want to talk more about this right now. It's time for us to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about your program and what you have to offer. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Mark Sheeran, saying, stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The challenges facing our teens today mean that more than ever, we need to be there to support them and encourage them. 
The Dr. Stem Show is here to provide discussions about topics that will help promote healthy relationships, self-image, and success for teens, parents, and the community. Our young people can achieve more in life than they ever dreamed possible. The Dr. Stem Show, hosted by Dr. Stem Malatini, will foster these discussions and encourage your participation. Listen every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, and 9 p.m. GMT on Voice America Empowerment. When you think of inspiring women, who comes to mind? Is it a visionary like Oprah Winfrey? Political or legal figures like Hillary Clinton or Sonia Sotomayor? Or how about entrepreneurial business leaders like Meg Whitman? No matter whom you might be thinking of, make sure to add one more to that list. Deanne DeMarco. She's the host of Today's Inspiring Women. Each week, Deanne turns you on to the next rising star in business and leadership and what their successes and challenges have been. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the self improvement show. Today, we're talking with Mark Sheeran, who has a program called St. Jude's that has a um, really fantastic success rate working with people who have addictions. Mark, before we left, we've been talking a little bit about Baldwin Research that created the program. And we, I know that you have pretty high success rates. So what's the difference in your program and the 12-step program that really doesn't work? I think they have something like a 5% success rate when all the numbers are you know, sorted out. And yeah. I, you can correct me on that if that's not right. No, no, that's correct. Uh, treatment in general um, will run anywhere between 5 and 20%, which is actually, um, at its highest number, which is 20%, 10% lower than if you did nothing, which a uh, simple brief intervention would give you 30%. So that's one of the reasons that we've always said the treatment doesn't work. You know, if your baseline of doing nothing will give you 30%, and that's the boggling. That's absolutely so. If if I had a drinking problem or a substance abuse problem, and I did nothing, I'd have more chance of getting better on my own doing nothing than I would if I went to AA. Yes, absolutely. And there's tremendous volumes written about this. This isn't wow. an unknown phenomenon. This is well researched with double blind studies, and and they, they know this. And this research goes back forty years. They've known this for 40 years. But I think what, what we did, you know, what St. Jude's is, is the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. We take people, uh, and, the, and the way we uh, look at the public is we say, what is, where's the greatest need? And that is somebody that's been to five rehabs, they're completely convinced they're hopeless. And how can we help them save their own life? And 
we looked at the AA model. We studied it. I'm one of the foremost researchers on that paradigm in the world. I, I went to over 4,000 AA meetings myself personally just to understand the model. I know it inside and out. I've been in the service structure of AA, so I understand it from a personal point of view and as a researcher. And I said, okay, if, if what they're doing is harming people, let me do the opposite. So the entire fundamental value of what we do at St. Jude's is based on this idea. When a guest comes, when they come to our program, we assume they're okay. We never assume they have a problem of any kind. That's the first assumption. And then we treat them with dignity and as if nothing is wrong. And we wait for them to tell us what the problem is. And then we give them a method that, that simply outlines how to rebuild their life from the ground up. And then they're allowed to do that. Now, that's a simplified version of six weeks worth of work, six to ten weeks. And, but fundamentally, AA is based, AA in all treatment in the United States, even a lot of the new non-12-step, that's become a catchword. You know, we created it, and now a lot of people try to follow us. Um, but their programs are really still based on some sort of control model where there's a therapist that tells people how to live. We don't do that. What we do is we say, do you want to rebuild your life? Here's a method to do that. So all of these models are based in, in some sort of powerlessness, some sort of the uh, circumstances around you guide your life. What we say, which is truthful and actually beneficial, is everything in your life is a culmination of the decisions you've made. Now, obviously, some things in life are circumstance-related. You know, you, you, if you get hit by a car... Uh, yeah, but we still have... Well, yeah, if you get hit by a car, but we, but we still made a decision not to step out in front of it. Well, exactly, exactly. And we really hone in on what you have control over, which is yourself. AA does not allow for self anywhere. As a matter of fact, they say self is the enemy. The solution is God, which is which is fine if that's your belief system, but it's outside of yourself. And the problem is caused by something, John Barleycorn, they call it, you know, alcohol, or in Narcotics Anonymous case, drugs. So really the person is left out of the equation completely, and that's the only thing you can change in reality is you. So they've taken the very thing that is effective and eliminated it. Now, why would they do that? Um, Personally, I don't think there's a conspiracy in the treatment industry. I think it's mostly money generated. I think it's a cultural paradigm that started with Bill Wilson in the 30s, having an idea of how to build this cult called AA. And, you know, he just wanted a model that would feed him millions of dollars, which it did do. You know, he died a millionaire. Um, so it's, Where does it's, he get the money? From the sale of the books? Because AA... As I understand, it doesn't charge. I've never been to one, but they it's a free meeting, isn't it? Well, no. It's, it, nothing's free. Um, you, oh, have yeah, nothing's sale, free. you have the sale of the books. You know, um, you, at, If you go to any 12-step-based rehab, they're going to have a bed with the book Alcoholics Anonymous sitting on it. There's you know, millions of beds sold a year. And then every meeting, a basket goes around. Now, I became a treasurer for AA, so oh, I found okay. out where that money goes. And if you have a, you know, let's say 100,000 groups a day, that's $100,000 a day. Not bad chump change. For doing nothing. It's, it's really quite an amazing pyramid scheme. But I think fundamentally what, what it comes down to is this idea that you have power 
which is what we promote, which is truthful, which is researched. We looked all over the world at the different cultures, the way people live, the way they behave under stress. We found that most people in the world do not drink and drug under stressful environments. They don't. So this idea that somehow your emotions uh, guide your drinking is not true. What guides drinking and drugging is the desire to be happy, just like every other cost-benefit analysis that you run in your life. If you believe that alcohol will provide you a lot of happiness, you will probably drink. You know, And eventually, if you drink enough, that, that uh, happiness diminishes, and you slowly get to a point to where uh, it's no longer advantageous to your life, and you will change it. Now, if you get exposed to treatment, though, you don't change it. Statistically, um, you will have a greater chance of remaining a victim of, of that substance. And if you don't go to treatment or you have not been exposed to AA, um, by age 37, 80% of people quit on their own and quit for good. Um, quit Is that because they realize that it's making their lives unhappier than happier? That's you know, exactly and can right. they, you know, do they do that pretty much cold turkey? Do they decide, uh, this is not working for me. It's time to quit. I'm deciding I'm going to not drink. Do That's, they do it yes. that simply or, you know, how does this usually come about? Yes, it, it is. It's a cost benefit analysis that happens universally, you know, across the landscape where people look at their children. They look at their careers. They look at the things of value in their life that they've built. And they know that alcohol and drugs at that stage isn't working anymore. That's why the peak substance use age is 25, 24 or 25 years old. And then it really starts skyrocketing down. The incident rate of people getting drunk a lot goes down after the age of 25. Essentially, after college age, um, people get on with their lives and they have to build careers, have children, get married, and other things have more value. So, like I said, we're always with the freedom model, law of universal motivation that we talk about in our book, people are always in the pursuit of happiness. So, and that's, that's universally true, irrespective of culture. You're always driven by the pursuit of greater comfort and happiness. So, if you believe that your career will provide you that more than a bottle of booze, you'll probably work towards your career. And that happens naturally as a function of maturing out of the problem, is what it's called. So, yes. It's it's simply you mature out of the problem, and you do it with very little fanfare. That's why there's not uh, a big deal made about it, because most people simply stop. That's what happens. That's very interesting, because the image we get is that without tons of treatment, you'll never be okay. Yes, and... And, and again, that's that self-fulfilling industry that once you're in the system, that becomes true because that becomes the belief system of the, of the patient. So the patient fulfills that by relapsing constantly because he's told, he or she is told, that that's what's going to happen. You know, the so, thought alone that most people can recover on their own at some age in, you know, their, usually in their early 30s, um, late 20s, that alone would give people a lot of hope if they just had, just knew that. I've never yeah, heard that before. Yeah, it's yeah. remarkable. It's not even close statistically. The people that go to treatment are less than 1% of the population. You would think it was, you know, 20%. They throw, the government throws around statistics that over 20% of the population has a problem. That is such an overblown, ridiculous statistic, I can't even begin to tell you. And I, we could do an entire show on that. But the reality is, is that, um, 
the the market that we deal with at St. Jude's is that one percent. It's that tiny percent. It's actually less than one percent um, that are now brainwashed. And and so our our model, both the the program itself that's residential and our home programs, all of them deal with that population. And now we're seeing a lot more. Uh, people who just simply struggle with behavioral issues and are depressed and filled with anxiety and live in quiet desperation, and maybe they don't have an alcohol problem, now they're coming to our retreats as well. Well, I can see in your books that that they could be very helpful for anybody who just is sort of at a crossroads. They're stuck and they don't know how to get out of the rut, don't know which road to take, um, because basically it seems you help them with decision-making and knowing what they want and knowing who they are. That's exactly right. We work with universal principles, things like we, we talked earlier. We ended the last uh, segment with this idea of the axioms, the universal truths. One of them is the only constant is change, for instance. And so we go into a big dissertation about uh, how do you adapt to changes in your life because change is unavoidable, and so is trauma, so is stress. So this idea that if you have stress and you, you, you're forced to avoid stress or else you'll drink and drug is ridiculous because yep. it's, it's impossible to avoid certain traumas because at some point life is going to strike at you. It's just so, the nature yeah. of being a human being. We need and, to learn to deal with that. I, I love the axioms. I want to talk more about them. It's time for us to go to break again, uh, unfortunately, but um, we'll be right back. This is Irene Conlon saying stay tuned. We'll be back with more of this wonderful program. on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment we let so many outside factors mold and shape our lives technology instant delivery we live in an on-demand world what's happened to the compassion the kindness a better pace listen to might radio with host Gabriella von Ray we'll bring that kindness and compassion back to our world Our guests come from around the world and will discuss what's being done and what we can do to bring our lives back to order. Might Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Is there a real magic formula for success or is it something more? Does the divine nature within, when activated, become a powerful unified force that catapults an individual to greatness? Join visionary host Sharon Rose Washington, author, empowerment life coach, and energy healer to explore the answer to the big question of why we are here. She'll have amazing luminary guests ranging from business thought leaders to top celebrities. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What if you were willing to be controversial, choosing kindness instead of judgment, willing to stand out from the crowd, being a leader in creating a new reality, even if others don't follow? You can make a difference. Start by tuning in to The Value of Controversy. Each week, our hosts will bring you the tools to help create the world that you want to live in and explore what's possible when you choose from the controversy of consciousness. Listen for The Value of Controversy every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. Today we're talking with Mark Sheeran, who helped develop the St. Jude's program that works with people with addictions, and they have a very wonderful success rate, high success rate. Uh, And we were talking about their axioms. There's five axioms. Uh, Can we run through those, Mark, because they're so different from the 12 steps that says you're powerless and has you running around telling everybody how bad you are. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> and I just, they're so refreshing. Yes, and, and l- let me reiterate that the axioms, for those that haven't been on the show uh, or are new to the show, um, the axioms are universal principles that we work with with people to enhance their lives. So here they are. Uh, the first one is the only constant is change. The second one is you are what you think. Essentially, everything you think comes about. Um, and uh, the third one is happiness is the only cognitive motivating factor in the universe. I think that uh, one is so powerful once people realize it's okay to be happy. Yes, yeah. And that a lot of the decisions that they've made in the past that they thought were bad decisions were actually motivated internally hoping for happiness. And a lot of times they don't turn out that way, but initially we're always driven by that desire. And it is powerful because you can change what you're choosing. Once you realize that it's not all bad and you can get rid of the guilt, it's it's really incredible what happens to your life. So we have quite a few chapters devoted to that one. I was delighted um, to hear you say, too, that guilt was useless. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it is. It's a destructive force, you know. Uh, it has one value, and that is if you feel guilty, you might want to change what made you feel that way. Right. Um, and then if you decide not to change that and internalize it, it turns into shame, and then you're really creating a destructive force yeah. within your life. And so, I interrupted you with the axioms. That's okay. I didn't mind. <laughs> um, number four is there's no shortcut to long-term happiness. And number five is your happiness is in your own hands. Um, that last one uh, is is a little different than what it used to be, but we're we're now rewriting the book, and uh, we've included some new material. Actually, we've added ten new chapters to our program, so uh, we're going to have a, uh, a really tremendous launching of this thirteenth edition. So, that's oh, and it's already it's already good. Let's talk a little bit about the home program because there are. F- Few home programs that I know that oh, there are few home programs that I know. Um, yeah. Tell us about this, and and do you have you had it long enough to gather statistics and know what your success rate is? Um, tell us a little bit about how it works. All those yep. things. Okay, the home program was developed because um, we're we are a not for profit, and we're not 
huge, you know, and we, we're not a $100 million company. So we don't have these enormous funds to be able to help uh, those that can't pay, you know, because we're a private facility. We're not funded by any state or federal dollars whatsoever. That would make so, me want to go there. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so it's a, uh, uh, it's, it's fairly, uh, what, what were we talking about? I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, the home-based program, oh, the home program and the success rate and yeah, all the little yeah, tidbits yeah. about the home program. Yeah. So, so what happened was we didn't have a lot of funds when somebody would call. I might get 20 calls a day uh, requesting to come to our retreats, but the people wouldn't have money. And to be on the phones and hear the heartbreaking stories and know that I didn't have money when I started and I was able to get this message, I said, I have to develop something that gives this person the same opportunity that somebody has when they come to our facilities. And so we created the home program uh, at a really cheap price, and sometimes we give them away. You know, if the person literally has nothing, at least what they are, have availability for is they get to talk to one of our instructors. Anytime they call or, or need help with the program, they can call us. They can uh, get uh, instruction via uh, email. Um, and they, we also developed into some Skype programs so they can actually have day classes via Skype with one of our uh, presenters, you know. Um, so it's, it's, it, it provides for a, a tremendous amount of people. And in this day and age, there's a lot of people that are, are struggling financially. So that was the motive. It was to reach those, that population that we weren't reaching, you know, 10 years ago. Um, statistically, we knew that um, uh, fundamentally, we would get a 30% success rate right off the bat because it acts as a brief intervention, and we had enough uh, research under our wing to know that we would get at least that. Um, we have not done an independent study yet because there haven't been enough people in the database, and it's, it's, a, it's more difficult to track people um, because they're at remote locations and we don't have as much information. Also, when you're doing research, they would have to sign a waiver that would allow us to contact them. And when people with the home program sign up, they're reluctant to do that because they don't know us. When people live with us, on the other hand, at one of our residential retreats, um, we know them. So they, they have no problem signing the waiver and saying, yes, you can contact me for one of your follow-up studies. And so... We have not had uh, the availability to be able to track these people as easily as we can with the residential model. With the residential model, we've tracked them for since the day we started, and that and and actually we don't track the people. We have uh, a separate company called Clearwater Research out of Oregon. They they do all the follow up studies that we've done. We've done three of them. They're quite expensive and it's it's comprehensive, but it's all on the website. Um, and when we ask people how they're doing their sobriety, things of that nature, we also have a corroborating witness. Those interviews have to be corroborated in a separate call with a family member or whoever the corroborator was initially contacted with that person. So um, it's really sound research. Um, It's not perfect. Nothing when it comes to behavioral sciences is you know, it's but it indicates better than any other facility uh, their success. It, it indicates better um, and more thoroughly than any other facility in the country. So um, we've done our homework. 
Oh, I would say you have. I can see how someone, even if you didn't have the counseling, which to me is the, you know, the cherry topping, it's just so amazing that you can provide um, a contact person to do work with people who have the home program. But the, the study alone with the, with the, with the CDs, the book, and the workbooks, if you really mean business, you know, if you really have set your intention on getting through this and coming out on the other side, stronger, better, all those things, you could do it with just the work that you've already provided. I mean, it's yeah. really good. I'm impressed with how much you have people doing uh, to get to know who they are and what they want to be. Now, how important is this self-analysis to the recovery process? Well, it's, it's, um, it's crucial, you know, um, but we do things a little differently with self-analysis than, you know, one of the things about the word, the word self-analysis, it implies like therapy, right? Um, yeah, but, I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking of it in terms of therapy, really. I was just thinking yeah. of it more of self-awareness and becoming more self-aware. Well, that's exactly the point I was just going to make for our listeners, and that is that the the way, and especially in the newer book, we expanded upon this. The way we do a self analysis is we we have them write down events in their life that were important to them, negative and positive, and then we compare it to each of the axioms. How did you work? How did you, for instance, the the first axiom is the only constant is change. Let's say there was an incident where maybe their mother died when they were a child. How did you react and use that axiom to your benefit or to your detriment? How did you work in accordance with that axiom and make it a positive experience, as bad as it might have been? Or how did you adapt and uh, uh, repulse against change? You know, maybe you devoured into yourself and started some bad habits that haven't been productive for you. Um, you are what you think. Uh, if your mother died when you were seven, um, how did that affect your thinking? What were you thinking? And, you know, so we would go through all the axioms and we would look at and compare all these life events, also positive events, you know, going to college and that's a big change for people. Or maybe somebody who's 70 years old. We have people as old as in their 80s come to our programs and as young as 12. So there's a whole variety of experience in those lives that can be compared to these axioms because they are universally helpful. And um, so when people become aware that that's how the universe works and that they have this massive amount of power in their mind to be able to look and perceive and have an attitude that is positive and that they can change really negative circumstances and make them positive by looking at their past, analyzing it against the axioms, then that experience becomes powerful. And they can then apply that naturally to the future. Now, what happens is we're actually trying to create neuroplastic changes in the brain. Through doing all of these exercises, you're becoming more self-aware. Self-awareness actually changes the brain. You become habituated to becoming self-aware. So as you make decisions in the future, you become much more cognizant of both the benefits or the potential consequences that may be negative or positive. 
You know, so we're trying to corral the thinking towards the positive or having them corral their own thinking. We don't make any judgment about whatever decisions they make. We're simply there to present information, and, and that information is as comprehensive as we can make it. Now, we've rewritten the book 13 times, you know, in 24 years. <laughs> So it, it's, it's gone through many different changes. The more we learn, the more we pass that on to our, to our guests. And I think that's the value of the program. You, know, you haven't said it in concrete and, say, and said, that's it. It's perfect just the way it is. On that thought, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk more with Mark Sheeran about overcoming an addiction. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Have you ever felt that it's time to get out of the box? Why are you putting that project off? It's already there in your mind. What are you going to do today to change your life tomorrow? Listen for Live Your Life with Melissa Brown. Get ready to expand the capacity of your heart and mind. Move yourself beyond the mundane and get prepared to do what you've been called to do. There is no time like the present, and the whole world is waiting for you. Tune in Monday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you think of inspiring women, who comes to mind? Is it a visionary like Oprah Winfrey? Political or legal figures like Hillary Clinton or Sonia Sotomayor? Or how about entrepreneurial business leaders like Meg Whitman? No matter whom you might be thinking of, make sure to add one more to that list. Deanne DeMarco. She's the host of Today's Inspiring Women. Each week, Deanne turns you on to the next rising star in business and leadership and what their successes and challenges have been. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. Today's guest is Mark Sheeran. We've been talking about a permanent solution for addictions, a program that really works, and it's been wonderful to hear this. I, I hope you know, I hope we can get this program out to many, many people who may never have heard it before because there's so much wonderful information on this show about this program called St. Jude's. Mark, before we get into this segment, could you please tell the listeners how they can find you, how they can find St. Jude's on the Internet? Sure. It's, the website is uh, Sober Forever, those two words together, SoberForever.net, N-E-T. And you also have one for St. Jude's, I, I think, don't you? Or is it, does it, do they all go to the same place? They, they're all, they're, the website is enormous. We were the first um, alcohol program on Google <laughs> way back when. <laughs> yeah. um, so 
And uh, if you forget that, it's on the, on my blog. So, you know, yeah, it, I just want people to be able to find you. I think this is such an important program, and I think it is such a great advance from where we've been. You know, you've, since you're a co-founder, you've obviously been in this from the beginning. You You must have had a lot of, brick walls that you hit and you must have an incredible number of rewards. Tell us a little bit about some of the challenges and some of the rewards you've experienced doing this work. I think the hardest thing for a researcher, well, first of all, the industry wasn't all that pleasant uh, about us saying that what they were doing wasn't working from a research I'm sure they still don't give you a great reception. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They, I think we've been around for so long. You know, when, once you've been around for a couple of decades, they uh, they respect you. You know, and um, and there there are some places that I I have a little more respect for than others, and um, so they they tolerate us. <laughs> um, but the people out there, I, I think the greatest reward is really um, knowing that we've changed lives. You know, um, I. I went through the system and it was terrible. It was a terrible experience because I was, I was lost within myself. And this process allowed me to become free within myself. And I think that we've seen literally thousands of people now, you know, tens of thousands of people come through this program and they now know that everywhere they go, they have power. They have power within themselves to see life differently and to create any life that they want and not be shackled with some label that negates them. So um, I think that the greatest reward is that, that I get to see the people every day, watch their eyes light up when they realize that they really are okay, you know, and that they're not damaged goods and that the labels are just that. They're just labels. They don't they're just they labels. Are. You know, I, I don't know that I thought about labeling the word powerless on people who have addiction problems. I didn't think I thought of that as shackling, but that's exactly what it is, is is shackling them. Um, It must be hard for some people who've heard this for years and years and years to get used to the fact that they really are okay, that they're valuable, lovable, all of those things. For some, it literally takes us weeks upon weeks to undo the damage that's been done. And I've actually had some guests, which is some of the more sad cases, where you you ask them, are you ready to have an open mind? And they say, I don't think I want to. It frightens me too much. Because they've lived in that isolated, insulated, um, numb comfort of being defined as sick, which allows them to sort of skip out on life and the responsibilities and the difficulties and risks and vulnerability associated with responsibility. So I think that sometimes, um, but those are the rare cases. That's somebody that has literally chosen the recovery society view that they want to be sick, you know, and Uh what we've made them aware of is that they're choosing that. So even in the future, they can choose to undo it. And so there's always a benefit to coming to a program like ours that really teaches people um, that the solution is within them. Because what do no you downside. do for the families? You know, do you have any kind of program that helps them adjust to the fact that that old program really didn't work and this one might be of value to them too if they'd step into it a little bit to know how they can deal with their own decisions about this? Yes, we, we have a family program. 
and we actually, our executive director runs that, and she's fantastic. She's also one of the co-authors on the program. She's been with us for 20 years, um, and she works individually and with small groups of families, depending on how many want to be in a group with her, um, and we'll rent out a hall somewhere, you know, locally here in New York, and families will fly in, sometimes or drive in, depending on the distance, and uh, and they'll they'll come here, um, and they learn uh you know uh, how how they can change you know we don't uh, usually families come to learn <laughs> it's interesting they learn how can i change my kid and one of the first fundamental things that michelle will do is say well it hasn't worked so far you haven't been very effective at changing your child so i w- we might want to look at this a little differently you know and that's sort of a shock to the family cuz it, it, it's hard you know because they're so frightened and um and wore out, you know, in some cases the families are just so hurt and wore out. So that's a wonderful process to become free of the responsibility of having to run the world, you know, and uh, uh, the families are really grateful to know that they need to change themselves as well. You know, they need to look at things differently. And the last chapter is to be free in your book. Yeah. So everybody's getting free. That's right. Actually. that that's exactly right. We everything is based on the freedom model law of universal motivation, which is highly researched in our book, and that says that people always move in the direction of what will bring them happiness. Every decision you've ever made does that. That's what it's motivated by. So to be free means to understand that you can always become happier. You never have to be unhappy. And that is everything, right? I mean, that's everything. That's life. And if you know that and you know it with the research, you understand that your brain, your actual physical brain tissue can change to accommodate those new thoughts. Every part of your being, spirit, mind, is geared towards finding a happier existence. Then how can you lose? You can't. Yeah, I said in my review of your program, it's a win-win. It's a win-win for everybody. That's right. You know, and, and you know, I, I just I can't encourage the listeners enough to to take a look at this program. You can find it on the internet. You can even get it on Amazon. Uh, it, it is such a solid program. You know, if you just want to work on self awareness, if you just want to work on making better choices, this material is some of the best I've seen. Yeah. Mark, we're right up at the end of the show. What's the thought you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Well, I, I think that um, it's it's what I just said about the the uh, the, the freedom model that um, it is a win win. Life does not have to be miserable. You don't have to live in quiet desperation within yourself. You don't have to constantly wonder why uh, you're sad. And um, there is really well-researched, common sense, practical ways to rebuild a life or rebuild those parts of your life that are, um, you know, difficult at that time. And so um, I want to leave the listener with the idea that no matter what, this isn't some hocus-pocus, new-agey weirdness. It's really practical. And it takes some open-mindedness, willingness, and work. But if you're willing to do it, you can change your life. You can do it. 
Wonderful, wonderful challenge. You know, I, I wish everybody that, that thinks they're powerless would go just look at themselves in the mirror and say, hey, you know, you're not powerless. You know, if they could come just to the realization that they have power in every decision that they make, you know, that, that they don't have to reach for a bottle, they don't have to reach for a needle, um, that right. they're powerful enough to find happiness without those things. That's right. Mark, it's been so wonderful having you on the show. I, I really want to keep in touch. If you have new things coming out, let me know. I'll put it on the blog. I'll, I'll announce it on the show. You know, I, I want everybody to remember the, the, the website, Sober Forever. Um, go there. Take a look. If you don't have a problem, I know you know somebody who does. You know, there's... There's another solution besides this 12-step program, and I have to believe that it's right here at the tip of your fingers, one mouse click away. That's right. Well, Irene, thank you for having me. I am absolutely delighted. We might have to do this again. Yes, I'd like that. (laughs) This is (laughs) Irene Conlon with my guest, Mark Sheeran, saying thank you for being with us today. Stay tuned. Come back again uh, next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for The Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.